everyone, it's Judy Warner. Welcome back to the third installment of this special podcast series created between the Ecosystem Podcast and Keysight Learning. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Hisu Lee, who's the high-speed digital lead at Keysight. I'm also joined by his friend and colleague, Ben Dannon, who is a, a technical fellow and also principal engineer at a tier one defense contractor. We're going to talk about what it takes to successfully navigate the engineering journey from concept all the way to test and measurement. And these two pros are going to give you so much rich information to help you really upskill and have the right stuff to manage today's complex design and development. Make sure you go like and subscribe on uh, Keysight Learning's platform. And also, I'd be privileged to have you over at theecosystem.com. Now let's jump into our conversation with Hisu Lee and Ben Dannon. Hi, Hisu. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Glad to have this discussion with you too. Always a pleasure, Judy. Well, Ben, I want to draw, jump right in with you and I want to ask you a bit more. I know you've told me in previous podcasts that um, you, know, you mostly work on ASICs now, but you think of yourself as a systems engineer. So can you tell... Um, our listeners a little bit about the type of systems that you've worked on and sort of what your journey has been and some maybe a couple things you've learned along the way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I started my career working at a defense contractor with ground combat systems. So anything that moved that went to the Marine Corps or the Army, I touched it. Integrated LRUs, which are just basically uh, boxes with circuits or circuit boards and uh, to cable design to full systems. Then from there, I went to um, moving cameras uh, at a security camera company. And then after that, robotics. And now I'm at another defense contractor and I've launched my own company supporting other clients doing similar systems. And in all of these, the problems are complex in all these systems. And <laughs> what I find consistently with all of these systems is to be an engineer today is harder than it's ever been. And what that means is that you need to be able not only to design a circuit board or understand that, but be able to measure and understand what you're measuring and being able to model and make those uh, correlations and understand when you have a good model. So you can make a good uh, assessment of a design and sign off to make sure your system's going to work. So along those lines, what recommendations would you have? Because, you know, your message that is being an engineer is more complex than ever, I've heard resonate. Um, across many conversations I've had. So do you have some general recommendations about how to do that successfully, or at least a couple bites from your wisdom and experience? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's hard really to be a jack of all trades today. It's, I would, um, you know, when I was in the Air Force, um, we used to have a, we had a patch for our class in my flight school and it was a jack of all trades, master of none. Right. And so it's it's not easy as an engineer to say the same. And so to your point, Judy, what I would advocate for is the best engineers I know today are constant learners. Um, with the speed of technology and where things are going, you have to be a constant learner. And so you can do that a couple different ways. You could do that by constantly picking up new books and reading those. Uh, I do that as one aspect of what I do. I'm on other committees, so I'm plugged in, and I, I try to, to work with great engineers like Hisu Lee here and many others 
uh, so I can stay abreast of what they're doing and what they're seeing from other customers. And so that allows synergy and alignment. Uh, and then on top of that, there's always new challenges, things you can talk about. So I would advocate to pick a conference and go to that conference and, and strive to present or write. Because if you are doing that, you're presenting new topics every year. You're doing that and you're learning and mastering those new topics. Uh, Design Cons 1, uh, as you know, the IEEE is another and Keysight is a big proponent there. And so uh, you're always going to see folks like Keysu Lee there um, supporting those sort of aspects. Speaking of a design con, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you both is we are all gearing up for for that show now. Mm -hmm. And Ben, you and I did a podcast a year ago at Design Con. And, you know, I think I'll link that below, which is actually a good call to engineers of how they can participate in Design Con. And it's been really fun over the last several years to watch your journey there from, you know, almost sidelines but you just threw yourself in the middle of that and now you are doing so many things and watching your skill growth has been really fun and as eric bogatin often says and i've heard uh, tim wang lee say parroting him as hope cannot be part of the design process right not these days you know things are too smoking fast he sue um what would you say you know as sort of a veteran engineer with much engineering depth are the most important skills and tools that engineers need to use today to um, sort of upskill and be sort of the Swiss army knife of, of engineering talent? Yeah, that's a, a great, great you know, question. Uh, interestingly, you know, I feel that it's a little bit strange to say because you, you're talking about the other tools, right, and skill set. But I, I have to say, you know, engineering curiosity is one of the one of the most important thing uh, from my point of view, is because you know, tools doesn't start until engineers switch button, right, and construct the schematic, and you know, push the button, go and they run simulations, and also top of it, when the simulator. Uh, finish the simulation and get the result uh, for end users, then how are you going to interpret it, right? So this is where engineers' fundamental, you know, understanding uh, on a steps, you know, what they are doing, and also top of it, what if uh, their the result is different than what they expected? They must have the engineering curiosity, dive into, you know, more detail level to understand what's happening, right? So it's not, it's not learning about, you know, where is the menu pick, right? You know, it's not something related to, okay, what buttons uh, I need to press. It is uh, engineering a fundamentals that drives the quality of the design and, you know, and all getting the older results right. So from my, my kind of, you know, background or history of my career, I think, you know, engineering curiosity is always number one. And the second is always thinking about why, right? Continuous questions uh, on why, that is also very, very important. I learned that, you know, by making a lot of, uh, you know, mistakes. Top of it, one more thing I'd like to say is what if questions, 
you got to ask what if, you know, because although design may look good, but there are a areas to, you know, for the improvement. And you really need to keep thinking about what if, you know, I change this topology or I change it at this, you know, uh, circuitry, what happens, right? But these days, it's a lot easier to do that. When I think about, you know, let's say 40 years ago, you know, or 30 years ago, people were sitting at the bench and picking up the, you know, components and try to, you know, replace them, which is very time consuming. But these days, tools are there to help engineers to get the job done better. It's because instead of doing all the, all the work at the, you know, test bench, they could actually do that in the simulation environment. That's where your tool comes in, uh, you know, really helping the engineers say technical or, uh, you know, baseline understanding to make the older, uh, you know, a product, what they're designing to the next level. So that's kind of, you know, my, my story I wanted to share. So what I hear you saying is it's, it's not, the tools are great, but you also have to have that good engineering intuition and judgment. Do, do engineers gain that in any way by just getting their hands dirty? I mean, you can't just, you know, you, you can go say to design con and read some books <laughs> or you have yeah. tools like, is there any other way besides jumping in, just jumping in and doing it? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Actually, you know, if you see the other kind of papers coming out, uh -huh. you must have a chance to validate it, right? It's not it's not just picking it up by reading it, and you really need to you know put all the things uh, on a paper or you know in the software, try it out and validate. There might be some other better way to go with. You know, one one you know interesting example uh, that was probably happened. 20x years ago, uh, my career started with a our micro circuit design engineers, and then I started to work uh, for Hewlett Packard, uh, you know, doing the other design uh, with using the other EDA. And when I met the other one customer, uh, he asked a very interesting question and saying that how good your tool is. You know, from my perspective, I was thinking, wow, this is a difficult question. And anybody can say our tool is good, right? But it's all relevant and probably not hitting the points. And I was thinking, uh, you know, just reflecting myself. And I started to say, tool is always good. However, more important thing to determine the quality of the tool is your engineering knowledge. And I was using yet one example, uh, you know, which is a more of the uh, spin chart that com comes with a complex plane data. So there was the uh, more about data showing a pigtail. And when I run the other simulation, it came out with that data very easy, no problem. But the question is, what's the meaning of that pigtail, right? Because, you know, when people are using the any software, it may come with that data. But the interesting thing is, if you don't understand the meaning of the pigtail, you don't have yet really good understanding on the, your circuit while you are designing. So combining this, uh, you know, tool is going to help to build up the other knowledge better or making their design better. 
uh, you know, without having the this, you know, a fundamental knowledge, uh, I, I think, you know, it's going to be pretty tough. Tool is a, pretty much a similar or same level, but what it makes uh, things different so much is basically an engineering knowledge uh, for those people, you know, have. Right. That was, you know, one thing I learned that a pretty interesting way. Yeah, we had talked about this before, and I really resonated with what that moment that you had in your career, because I had a friend who was a really expert PCB layout, and he did a talk one time at a conference I was hosting, and he's, he was teaching a whole room of engineers. He's like, if you're an expert NASCAR driver, you can handle a Volkswagen or a Ferrari and drive it with skill, Right. It's the driver is a key, which is the engineer in this case, right? That there's a variety of tools and no matter what tool you use, right? It's about being, you know, having that engineer excellent and onboarding, you know, all the knowledge, the intuition and knowing when you push that button, you get a result. Well, so what? Like, what does it mean? So um, I think that's, it's really interesting to hear through your, both of your perspectives as um, practicing engineers, you know, and sort of how you've learned along your journey. Um, ben, <clears throat> what in in your experience are the best methods or platforms for learning? We talked a little bit about books and design con. Um, but also, I mean, I know because I've sort of watched from afar a bit of your journey, and, and I'm sure you have much to say about sort of taking ownership of your career, which is something I've encouraged engineers to do, but only as an outsider, right? As an insider, you know, how, how do you really take ownership and really identify tools and resources to help you become that expert NASCAR driver or that really good skilled engineer? Yeah, I I think the, the best advice I would give as a starting point is there's a lot of great folks out there like your Hisu Lees, your Steve Sandlers, your Heidi Barnes, um, Eric Bogerton, and they have a wealth of knowledge and experience. And a lot of engineers are, you know, as you know, are really kind of shy or introverted. It's just a, a nature of engineers. It I, I don't know. Maybe you just to be an engineer, you have to be shy and introverted. I wasn't wired that way, but I can tell you um, growth and comfort never go hand in hand. And so if you really want to grow, you need to be uncomfortable. And in any case where you're growing your career, you need to get out of your box and reach out to those folks because they're always willing to share ideas and work with new people who come with something fresh that they haven't thought of, a perspective. Uh, and so I know because I work with all these folks, Hisu Lee is one of them here. I mean, we've, we've done multiple papers together. I have a class every time uh, working with Hisu Lee, he always brings um, different perspectives and, and, and angles and a levity that makes it fun, right? And so every time we come out of it, we've always learned something new together. Um, Hisu likes to say that sometimes uh, with some of our papers, I've been a bit of a slave driver, but we always have fun <laughs> uh, with one of our papers, right? Because things kind of come up to the 11th hour, but that's normal with a lot of these papers. But yeah. uh, in, in a nutshell, you have to get out of your box. You have to reach out. You have to ask, right? And the other advice I give folks, uh, besides what I said previously about growth and comfort, is the answer is always no unless you ask. 
always know. Right. I, 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 um, I, you know, you know, I've talked about this before. I share that. If you can believe it, I used to be a very shy person, but there's things that I wanted to get after and do and aspire to. So I just, I actually be, I actually begin to relate discomfort with growth, which is kind of a weird thing. And, um, but I totally resonate with that. He, Sue, how about you as a young engineer? Did you have that experience of sort of perhaps stepping out of your comfort zone or reaching out to mentors? What I hear you say, um, saying, Ben, is mentors. Like, go exactly after it. Saying. Don't sit in your chair yeah. and hope it's going to happen or passively watch YouTube videos. Yeah, and you have to drive it. It's on the mentee to drive that relationship. I have multiple mentees, <clears throat> but it's on them to drive it. And you need to set that expectation. The mentor should rise if it's a he or she's a good mentor to meet that mentee's level of energy, but it's on the mentee to drive that relationship. Uh, I have one more plug, uh, and I think he should might counter with, uh, I definitely agree with this, is I use other tools like 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 ADS. Like if I don't understand something, I can build that and do permutations to understand something. Uh, that's the other thing that I'll use. And so you need to have these tools, right? And you can work with these mentors to help you learn those tools. Yeah, from my perspective, uh, you know, a couple of things I'd like to add. I talked about the you know, engineering curiosity, and uh, I always uh, ch choose a band as one of the person in a non-stopping engineering curiosity that keep asking why, and then also, you know, uh, always bring up the you know, what if, right? And that drove us uh, into a, you know, kind of, time period work not stopping that was the one case that we worked on one of the design club paper and uh you know one day uh, he you know sent me an email saying that oh this data looks strange there is something going on and it asking why right and there must be must be a problem with a tool you know doing something wrong and you know that's where your engineering curiosity coming in, you know, and then we asked it a, a, a lot of questions why, and also did a lot of what if. But going back to the other kind of story I was telling, and it was a fundamentals, right? If you touch on the other fundamentals, it cannot be happening that way. So there was a, something that you know, we learned out of that kind of example, a uh, pretty interesting way. This actually builds up our you know, core strength you know, much stronger uh, and you know, helps the engineers to build their career better. But interesting parts, uh, you know, from my perspective, I was thinking about when Ben was talking about the engineers are shy, right? I was thinking about myself and yeah, you know, sometimes I feel shy, but why people are shy about uh, you know, things, uh, especially for for the cases of engineers, I think it's more like a confidence. And, you know, confidence means, okay, I know the other as much, right? However, you know, is that really the knowledge at a top notch? Or it's just, in you know, a normal a knowledge. And that brings a people into the kind of modes, thinking about, is that something, you know, I need to step up and try to 
in order to get to that level, I think confidence level you know must be very very high, right? This is uh, where also you know the story I was telling in engineering curiosity and asking why and validate and do the old what if you know that was the one case Ben talked about is a permutation and you build up your confidence level and once your confidence is built then I I don't think you know people will be you know that shy is because they will you know believe on what they're understanding and also right. what they're doing I think that's so true but you have to be willing to to have some failures along the way but not see them as failures right see them mm-hmm. as a natural part of the learning path right and Correct. You, like they say fail fast like keep going right so yeah you know we talked a lot and i think it's it feels a little philosophical but i think it's really important for engineers to think about these things and also i've talked to others that talked about how engineers say come out of university or early in their career and they get on a design team and they're quiet because they feel like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to know all this stuff now. And so they feel like, I just, I won't ask. I'll just pretend like I know it or just shake my head. And the truth is we're all that. Like, Even, no, yeah. that's normal. And so I yeah. think part of what's good about this conversation from two pros is saying, this is a normal part of the process. Go ahead, step in, ask questions. And then when you get the competence, you get the confidence, right? And you can move past that. Um, okay, Hisu, probably the last question, because the time is flying by, is let's shift now from our, you know, the important part of the conversation, which is the engineer and how to build that confidence. And Hisu, because you're from Keysight, and Ben, you've told me this too, and so has Steve Sandler, um, people have taught me over time that Keysight is one of the few companies where you can do end-to-end, yep, which is correct. really unique and very cool. But there's also a trend with companies like Keysight or Ansys to be integrated in other EDE tools. And um, I'm just curious about that trend. And so how do you see this rising trend towards the connected workflow for engineers in the form of EDA, either tools end-to-end like Keysight or integrations um, may help or hurt engineers or, you know, what does that look like to you? Yeah, that's a, a pretty interesting one. Uh, I have a, probably you know, two things I'd like to talk about. One is, uh, here's one case, I'd like to just bring it up. <clears throat> and when I was doing data more of a EM, uh, Let's say here's a one design, and uh, you know we are asking the engineers to go and assimilate them, right? Hey, the data what they have is basically the geometry of the structure and the material properties, right? And possibly you know having a some kind of in important locations, right? And giving a this structure to uh, five different engineers and ask them to get me the results, right? And one thing I learned that out of the other that trier, the five answers out of the simulation, uh, you know, to do the other more you know EM simulations, I it was very interesting to see that the five A data is not the same. The question is why, right? 
as long as you follow the, the you know, kind of steps, yeah, definitely the answers are getting close enough, but I'm not exactly say is because it's not just geometry, material properties, but also how you define the structure, right? This is a, you know, one important thing I learned that, uh, this is, you know, also getting back to the engineers, a knowledge, uh, which is very important. But having said that, you know, one more important, important thing is, uh, you know, conceptually constructing the learning organization, because in every time you do something, you learn something, then how are you going to build, you know, that structure or that knowledge into your a thought process and flow, right? Uh, this is, you know, one of the critical important things. Having said that, uh, you have to think about when you are running the any of simulations or designing something, you need to think about what is the end product or end results, what you're looking for. This is where I see that, you know, you know, you start with the idea or concept and you go and the design and you go and the simulate and then you go and then construct the, the, the system or board and, uh, you know, manufacture it or fabricate and then go and measure, which is a validation process. So thinking about this process, I need to go over and over uh, based on the quality of the design. But important thing is, what if, you know, we go and then design and validate uh, data or results? Uh, as the way you're gonna, you know, validate by measuring it, right? This is a, one one important part of the other uh, process, uh, what we call connected a flow, which is bring the other, you know, the process of doing the validation into the simulation process. Therefore, at the end of the day, you know, when you are checking your design, not only for uh, the design you simulated also manufactured one, you're going to have the same bar, right? So that's a, one of the, one of the important thing. And we'd like to actually support the industry by making the other solution, uh, you know, from the simulation to measurements in a consistent, a workflow. One, one example I can tell you is a compliance. When you design the any of high speed systems, uh, throughout the other standard, uh, you must have the list of things you need to validate against the specification. For measurement side, there is a compliance a application software. So when you, you know, measure your design and or board, you go through the uh, compliance apps and make sure uh, you are, you know, des your design is uh, meeting the uh, given uh, the specification. What if you bring this process back to simulation, right? that you are actually closing the gap of your design from the design stage uh, to the final you know, product, production stage so that you have a better chance to, you know, make it a successful uh, design run. So this is, uh, you know, important a, a process, again, uh, called as a connected design flow. We, at a key side, is the only company that does a design and test. So we are making the other workflow, uh, really, you know, uh, making the other work process, uh, you know, more stronger so that we can help the other design engineers to make the other, their, their design much faster and better way. So that's putting all the right tools and one is taking the hope 
out of the design process. Correct. So you know yeah. what you're going to see. You pull the simulation earlier in the design, and then when you get the physical product and test it, you know what you expect to see, and hopefully you've done sort of the heavy lifting mid-design so you don't fail at the bench, and then you have to respin the board and start the whole thing over again. Does that sound familiar, Ben? It does. I've yeah. used some of these tools that he's used talking about uh, to basically build complex system models and used ADS to help me validate that. Yeah. And then, like I'm sure, Ben, you've seen across your career, the ugly, messy way of doing it. Oh, right? yeah. Which is, which yeah. is using physical prototypes over and over and, and guessing. And <laughs> I, you know, we always call it whack a mole. It's mm -hmm. like, huh, where it is? I don't know. We'll just try to move that thing and see how it comes out next time. Right. So it, uh, what does it save? Time, money, headache, stress. I mean, there, there's so much at stake. I mean, in this day well, and age, people want to be down to one board spin. They don't want to do uh, other board spins. Yeah. And you have to have tools like this to enable that workflow. I know. That's really the key. And as much as, you know, we're all team Keyside here. I am encouraged by finally, you know, we, we talked for decades since I've been around a while about living in these siloed, competitive, zero-sum game sort of, but um, in this kind of worldview and it doesn't work anymore. And it's like, things are so complex and fast now. I don't know that you can afford to do that actually. Um, and the chips are so expensive and, you know, it's, it's, it's getting to that point. And, and that being said was, I am encouraged to see what we're previously thought as, um, competitors, right? That ANSYS or Altium or some of these tools are playing nice together now. Um, you know, dream wise, we'd love to, I'm sure everybody would love to have the end in, to end key site solution, but. You know, people have already invested in other tools. And so it's nice to see that flow happening too. Do, do you think that's a, a good trend, Ben? Uh, I, I would. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's a good trend. Uh, and I can say for a fact that uh, I've used some of those like Ansys, for example, you can open RF Pro, and which is a Keysight EM tool, and pull an Ansys license, set up an EM simulation with RF Pro, and switch it to an Ansys uh, HFSS simulation. So these tools are realizing, all these companies are realizing that you have to do that because things are moving too fast and somebody doesn't want to import a design and then run it one tool and then have to re-import it and set it up in another tool. That doesn't make sense. That's not it's efficient. Such a headache. I mean, such a ADS headache. already does that, right? Like if you want to run COM, for example, channel operating margin, uh, pretty sure Hisu is instrumental in getting the plugin set up with MATLAB, which is running under the hood with ADS. When you run COM, that's built into ADS. So uh, it's running uh, Rich Mallet's basic scripts, right, from what he created in MATLAB. And that's all a different tool, but it's built in ADS. You don't need another license for that. I think this is so good for engineers, and I'm glad you two have validated, again, as a non-engineering professional, that to me, I think this is a really powerful trend. Well, gentlemen, I think I've taken enough of your time, but thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom and your thoughts, um, both on engineers and on tools and on uh, connected workflow and EDA. I really appreciate your time and everything that you so generously share with the industry. Thanks for having us, Judy.
Thank you. It was great. Thank you. For our audience, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you gained wisdom and insight from Hisu and from Ben. We will see you next week. Until then, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem. Oh,